0: To the college football final special edition of the SEC StatCast. I am your host, SEC StatCat Clark Brooks. I hope everyone's having a fantastic new year. So, yeah, let's review that fantastic college football final from last night uh, featuring Georgia and Alabama. Of course, a lot of people were a little sour because we got two SEC teams. Playing. It was a defensive battle in the first half, but there was plenty of intrigue after the break. And of course, Stetson Bennett and that vaunted Georgia defense finally get to the promised land after many, many years of heartbreak. So, um, yeah, we're going to review the keys to the game that I had coming in and see if they held up and if they actually mattered and where they stood. Um, some broad takeaways from the games themselves, you know, some, some team stats. Um, and then we'll dive in to both sides of the offense. We're going to start with Alabama because they lost. And then, of course, we'll cap with the National Championship Georgia Bulldogs and what they did um, schematically to win the ball game. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Starting with the broad trends, uh, the number one thing that I said I had to turn in the game was Georgia's pressures must land, and I think they uh, checked that box. Um, they logged a forty-four percent pressure rate. They, of course, got four sacks. Um, yeah, and the havoc rate um, alone, which includes um, you know tackles or hits behind the line of scrimmage, TFLs, batted balls, what have you, that itself finished squarely. In the mid to low 40s. So consistently harassing and agitating Bryce Young. Of course, um last time their pressures four of eleven for 55 yards and only two first downs. You know, that's not thing too fantastic, but the fact is they did not move backwards and they stayed in manageable spots. Definitely a different story this time. Um so yeah you can definitely say that they checked the box. So the other one I had the next one I had Alabama's run game was grooving because of how it was utilizing RPOs to his advantage uh to open up run lanes. Basically half of their run uh attempts on the season were utilizing RPOs, but in the postseason, so the SEC Championship game against Georgia and uh, against Cincinnati, those two games, they've shot up to 71%, and you know what? Gap schemes have absolutely dissipated from the script. Um, It is all zone stuff, predominantly outside zone stuff, so um, that did... Uh, manifest in this game but the problem was very little success so of the 16 RPO runs in this matchup only five found success so that's a 31% success rate on a three-point Five uh, yards per carry. Just not what you want. Not what you want. Well, did it help the pass? No, it didn't. But, of course, that's a completely different topic altogether. So, yeah, the RPOs, the zones, they didn't necessarily come through whatsoever because overall, end of the day, Georgia held Alabama to a 058 rush yards before contact average uh, like you would get with that 43 or so percent havoc rate they were absolutely destructive um, and just destroyed plenty of Alabama's design so um, the next point was how aggressive was Georgia's pass game gonna be well in the first half they definitely did not want to do too much of course they nailed a heavy set play action shot uh, to George Pickens, that was a real big, uh, real big completion for this offense, of course, that led to a field goal, but at the break, they had 20 passes, um, and 12 of the 15, tr- uh, uh, pass attempts overall, they had 20 pass plays, 15 pass attempts, um, 15 of them traveled less than 10 yards downfield, and uh, basically an 18% screen RPO throw rate from Stetson Bennett. So yeah, um, they were not going to be too aggressive, and of course they only ended with two deep um, passes all game, only about a handful of passes beyond 10 yards downfield, so... They definitely did not want to take too many chances, of course, with Will Anderson and them basically coming after Stetson Bennett. Of course, Georgia themselves, they logged a pressure rate in the middle of the, of the 30s. So, you know, basically over a third of their dropbacks should suffer from a form of duress. So, you know, that cannot be ignored. But, you know, it was definitely a game plan of getting the ball out and not making putting him in a great Position. So, um, end of the day, yeah, they were definitely not overly aggressive despite hitting on two key uh, dingers deep. So, then it was Georgia. Should they go big to play small? Oh, boy, this one played out like a T, my friends. Um, yeah, so basically half of Georgia's first half snaps were out of uh, 12, 13 personnel. So, that's t- two, or thir- two or three tight end sets. So, Um, But the results were terrible, only a 33% passing success rate through the air, um, none on the ground, um, but of course, that heavy set play action, that was on the field for that fake split zone toss, round action believe it or not yes as wordy and as I know theater mind me just describing that a splits a fake split zone toss into round from a tight bunch formation Georgia does run both of those plays action off of that and then they do this play action shot basically just a um, a, a Yankee play Yankee shot so that is a deep over cross with a post going against the grain uh, really uh, a tough one for middle of the field safeties to deal with uh, with that heavy set play action. So um, but yeah, outside of that, it was really nothing going for the for the 12 personnel. But then, of course, the burn the boats quote that's going around from Kirby Smart. They wanted to establish run with their big bodies after halftime. And you know what? End of the day, 57% of Georgia's snaps included 12 or 13 personnel and 70% of their yards occurred with those personnels, they had 9.4 yards per carry on a 56% rushing success rate. In the second half alone, they had a 12-yard per carry average and a 75% success rate. I think the boats have been burnt, and I think they built luxury cruisers as a complete comp, or, you know, as a retribution to that. So yeah, they absolutely answered the bell by um playing small and going big they leaned on the run and they got enough plays from that defense to um obviously win the ball game so then alabama's motion so this was kind of tied in a little bit with their rpo stuff but this was on the other side of the coin so the rpo stuff kind of opened up their runs the last little bit well one of the Signifying factors or characteristics, I should say, uh, Bill O'Brien calling some plays for Alabama this year has been decreased motion usage across the board. We're talking pre-snap motion, just moving, you know, a tight end uh, from one side of the formation or, you know, condensing trips, whatever, doing yo-yo motion, whatever. Um, that has basically been cut in half. Uh, same with jet motion or and orbit motions and shifts in general. So uh, before the SEC championship game, just to give you some figures, year over year, pre-snap motions shrunk from 33.3%, a third of their plays, to 193 under a fifth. Uh, jet motion, 10% to about 5%. Orbit motion, from about 8% to 7%. So everything was down. But, um, yeah, in the postseason, basically every game – Alabama's pre-snap motion rate has been in the 30s, and that continued against Georgia. It was about 31%, and even though in the previous two games um, they did do some jet motion, some at-the-snap motions, they didn't get overly drunk with it, well, against uh, Georgia last night, 16 snaps used at-the-snap motion, Um, 11 used shoot motion which we'll talk about in this uh, in a little bit and eight additional yo-yo motions, so going out and then returning from where they came um so did this stuff work kind of um so yeah you know Alabama they didn't really finish with a fantastic success rate by any means but when you're going against one of the best defenses of all time you're basically just going to want to take something that's kind of average in terms of result a little bit above average you know usually in terms of success rate I always like to aim for the 50 percent mark and of course y- yards per attempt is kind of subjective and it can be you can you know be a little bit more fraudulent um, EPA same as well I mean just because obviously the bigger the number it, it matters but it's just a little bit harder to contextualize uh, down to down in terms of, like, play calling in this context. But anyway, I'm getting beside myself. The motion begat an 8.5 yards per pass on a 48% success rate. So you cannot say that it did not help Bryce Young. And in the SEC Championship game, they basically used pre-snap motion to tip things on Georgia's side of the ball. Now, not necessarily stem pressures to tip them off, you know, and get them, you know, going, but it might have just, you know, said, okay— I know what type of back ends if it's going to be, if they're going to bring a guy down, if they're going to bring him back, if it's going to be a man, if it's going to be zone Simple things. So I'm not going to go into the minutia snap by snap at this point. But the th- fact is Alabama consistently has used this two tip things for Bryce Young. So um, of the 27 pre-snap motion plays, 23 were passes, which tracks with what happened in the SEC championship game. 25 snaps used... Pre snap motion, twenty were passes. So you have to love the consistent effect. It at least helped the pass game find consistent rega- uh, consistent gains. I mean, of course, an 8.3 yards per attempt absolutely is. Be- it's, yeah, it's three yards better than what they finished overall in the game. So yeah, I can say that that tactic was absolutely a bright spot for Alabama, even though it didn't really work out for them in the long run. So the next one was third down passing. So yeah i think alabama did just enough uh to you know get a win here uh and bennett um i don't know i would say uh, he did just enough as well it didn't really come down to that for him of course he made that big boo-boo play that almost cost georgia another heartbreaking defeat that uh strip sack fumble that that butterball you know uh uh, what's his name from Longest Yard? Uh, the Brucey forget my uh, my old man moment there. You know, shouldn't have popcorn type of moment, but gosh bless. Uh, Bryce Young, I mean, almost nearly a 50% success rate on the money down passing. I mean, he's just been consistently good in that spot. And and look, Alabama, we know they allowed pressure basically all game, but on third down, it was especially prudent. Uh, they had 19 third down Snaps only two runs, um, and uh, on their passes, a 64% pressure rate. My gosh, talk about a high degree of difficulty for the Heisman. Um, But, uh, of course, Alabama, they came in leaning on some of the plays that I thought they would. Of course, we'll talk about a little bit later, of course, in the— uh, it's basically trails and mesh on the money down they, they like that stuff And that's what they basically turn to For the most part So, so um, And then the last points I guess we'll wrap it up With the one I had in the article The seven one that I think they win if um, The losers I think Alabama wins If they can continue its third down magic And capture at least six explosive games through the air They got five And it also does not help the fact that they got at least to Georgia's 30-yard line six times and only have one touchdown to show for it. Um, Look, I think if this game is played ten times, Georgia probably wins six of them. And uh, this is just one of those times that it broke the Georgia Bulldogs' way because that defense, um, it it just proves that consistently winning in precarious situations— Unstable spots, you know, third downs, under pressure, behind the chains is really hard. No matter how talented of a quarterback you have, no matter how great of a overall team that you have, it's just really, really tough. So, hmm, last time in the SEC championship game, um, Alabama had the explosive play battle, total victory of thirteen to seven. Overall, Georgia won this one seven to six. Yeah. I mean, it basically came down to that. If Georgia or if Alabama gave themselves maybe one more scoring opportunity, of course, that they don't get that field goal blocked, and if they get one more touchdown in the red zone, it's a completely different bowl game. But yeah, um, Brian Robinson, he did not have the game I thought he would. At the end of the day. Um, uh, just did not, uh, he was just bottled up just because of the lack of room to go, to run. He had a, a few nice carries. Um, you know, he, he had one really good one when he was backed up, but at the end of the day, it just did not matter whatsoever because of uh, the lack of explosive gains and just because of how they stalled in the red zone. So, how did I think Georgia was going to win if they were going to win? Hmm. Let's see. I think Georgia wins if they can control the line of scrimmage and ensure Setson Bennett does not screw it up. Oh, my gosh, yes. I don't want to um, shoot or shat shit. I guess it's shit um, on Stetson Bennett's parade here. But I was not a big believer of him coming into this ballgame. I thought he was absolutely going to screw it up. And, of course, after that, Brucey in the fourth quarter, I absolutely thought that was on track for that to happen. But you know what? Despite being a no sleep flaw, passer, he completed on two, his two deep balls. And of course, that was just enough. As I aforementioned, they basically um, put him in manageable situations where he was not necessarily um, supposed to screw it up or press or put the ball overly into harm's way, and you got to like that. And of course, in the second half, as I wrote, wouldn't you feel more assured to place the bulk of pressure on a bunch of four- and five-star linemen and running backs instead? Well, that's exactly what happened. Of course, they turned the tide. I said if they asked Setzen Bennett to drop back more than 28 times, it was not going to be good. He ended with 26 attempts. Todd Monken, you did it perfectly. And, of course, the defense came through as they were able to play big, old-school, and ride a dominant defense to the title. So there you have it. There are the, there are the keys. So then – how about we review the schemes involved, huh? We're only 15 minutes in. You know, I'm a fairly loca- loquacious person as is, but um, so I guess we'll start with the losers. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it was a it was a game schematically, you know, with Georgia usually sitting back in their two deep shell. They wanted to attack the flats. They wanted to get those safeties to come out of their shells, come down, and make a play in space. For a while, it was working in the tides' favor. You know, they were four yards downfield or so before first contact. And, of course, after contact, they get a few more after really having manageable situations. Well... Of course, there was a, num- a few times where uh, Georgia's safeties just were, s- s- of course, displaying their talent, um, tackling guys behind the line of scrimmage, um, lickety-split just absolutely all over the field, sideline to sideline, uh, just a really ravenous type of defensive effort. So, end of the day, um, I do like some of the things that Alabama does. Of course, sticks shock um Haas out of empty have been uh fairly leaned on since you know week seven you know the middle part of the season or maybe even sooner I might get my dates it may even since week five but yeah since this point like ever since Bill O'Brien has you know known his personnel these looks have certainly been mainstays in this passing offense so when they run shock, for instance, which is an inverted stick look, so three man surface where you have your inside hitch to out route, out route. Where did that accent come from? Sound like Brian Kelly all of a sudden. Hitch to out route, um, leverage read, and then number two is your vertical guy. Usually you'll see a fade. Well,. Alabama has not been so bold, but to do slot benders and early in this game They had a slot bender seam and it was open But the problem was early pressure and it really but bit the play so that was not great So but for the rest of the game, yeah, they were all fades Um, So that was really interesting to to notice. So I also mentioned um, In a few different places that yeah, Alabama really likes trail plays this season so um, whether it is the old school west coast play arches which is you know a lot of these are out of bunch formations so arches um, if we're going one two three one being outside two being the middle guy and three being the inside guy one is the hot route with a quick drag two is usually your vertical guy running a fade or a corner and um, number three your inside guy he's your trailer usually running a little bit of an angle type of deal back towards the middle of the field once the uh, drag passes by. So um, no pass concept family has gained more yards for this offense than trails 312 on the season. It's It was their go-to pass pattern to target, again, in bunch formations. For, it makes sense for what I just mentioned. Um, it was their most targeted pass family on third downs, no less, and it makes sense because overall going into this game, a 60 success rate very very nice 15 point like basically 15 yards per uh, Attempt on it per target just very very nice return. So three of them were seen on the first drive alone, so um, Even though the drive stalled early just because the pressures got there um, it was uh, Fairly obvious that trails were going to be featured into the day Um, Whether it was the arches design that I just mentioned or dangle their favorite pattern So dangle is like drive, which is a common two-man combo with a number two running a dig and number One running a drag towards the middle of the field. It's it's a basic high-low. Well, we're just getting another guy involved So on normal drive designs, you will see, you know, just sometimes you'll just see an additional flat route Well what we're doing with that additional person, we're lining him up at number three on the innermost person, and we're going to have him run that angle route back towards the inside. So what do we have? An angle plus a drive. Dangle. Makes sense, right? So, yeah, that was the big play in the uh, first matchup in the uh, SEC championship game. That's the one where Williams took it to the house on that deep dig. Um, I have mentioned it plenty, plenty of times. But, yeah, um, they were seen on nine snaps. Um, they drew five targets uh, for 24 yards. That's not the return you want. Only two out of five worked. Uh, but you know, of the nine featured snaps, six were on third down. Again, it was one of their most. Uh, it was one of their favorite third down patterns. So it, you knew it was going to be uh, certainly featured, uh, considering the success they had last time against Georgia's. Uh, defense with that look But end of the day, just it didn't give the returns It was a lot better adjustments Of course, trails They're designed to be man beaters If you're expecting that and you have tight man coverage And if you have pressure to alter A passer's platform It's just a really, really tough assignment To hit on that all day long So, on the second drive You know, they had two waggles Like I mentioned, these were the plays where uh, Georgia's safeties just were not fooled whatsoever and they just made plays in the backfield, really showing off their tackling ability. Of course, at the end of the day, football is a game of blocking and tackling. And, of course, uh, you can't be a, a generational type of defense if you can't tackle well. Well, this Georgia defense can tackle well, folks. Um, so, yeah, that, that you know, one of the left-handed waggles. I'm not a particular fan of that whatsoever from Alabama, but, um, yeah, that ends drive. And then drive three it's a three and out It's a pressured kelly mesh so Besides Um uh, The trail plays meshes Have been alabama's uh, Second most favorite pass concept To target on the money down Uh, For good reason two thirds of them have Worked um but yeah usually Against cover zero type of things cover One type of things um you Would think that meshes being natural Man beaters have a good success Rate um over the, you know, just outside of Alabama, you know, looking at all offenses, all teams, but it's one of the, it's one of the more faltering matchups, really. It, it's a, it, yeah, especially on third downs, it, it's really kind of baffling, because you would think uh Mesh would win more often than not, but no, the defenses usually win here, so that's just a testament to how Alabama usually can find somebody open in those spots, and of course. Um, when you have Bryce Young, who's really good at buying himself an extra beat for these plays to work, it actually helps. But, yeah, the pressure Kelly mesh biffs the play, and it's a three and out on that one. So not much else for the first half. Uh, the last drive, um, they did run mesh again on back-to-back plays. Of course, they did get an explosive gain out of that. But um, the big thing was losing Jameson Williams early in the second quarter. Um, you know, it is. uh uh, they did a lot of bunch stuff as you can imagine like I, I had mentioned with the uh, usage of those trail plays especially early on like th- three on the first drive um, This was th- one of their best plays of the day. Of course. I shared it on Twitter on uh, Tuesday afternoon, but essentially it was One of these cross swaps, I guess I would throw it in the co- cross swap family design so cross From the air raid sense it is basically a uh, climbing drag cross from the innermost receiver you're splitting too deep or you're trying to um, cross face in front of a middle of the field safety just really try and collapse him it's a really nice beater against a variety of coverages and behind that you're usually bringing a curl or a dig to find a hole in the zone is like a semi trailer so When it's a three-man surface sometimes you can have an additional flat route and of course when you do bunch stuff as you can imagine with the trail stuff you can really mix match with the different orientations of who's running what route and you know really confused match patterning assignments and different techniques on the defensive end so as you can see from uh the broadcast from the all 22 from the sky came to whichever uh, feed, you watch the game in, um, this route was wide open, of course, Georgia, they, they are a pretty stingy pass defense, but, um, them just absolutely not showing any attention to Jameson Williams on this play was a head scratcher, but, yeah, so, basically, from that bunch formation on the right, you, from three, two, one, we're going inside out, we basically just had a flat route, number two, ran, uh, uh, a curl, and then our outside receiver, our Z receiver, just ran a- across and it was wide open. You know, some play action, I guess it kind of helped. and I mean, my gosh, he was so wide open. If it was a better thrown ball, it would have been a touchdown. Of course, it was a little bit behind him. The pressure just altered the pass just enough. And, of course, that alteration eventually led to a very unfortunate ACL tear for Williams. It's just really, really, really bad how that broke out. So, um um after that moment, yeah, the rest of the first half they did a little bit 12 personnel um wing stack type of stuff, but uh um uh, it, it it was yeah, it was just like a classic defensive battle in that first half there. So, um in the second half to start, um I was really disappointed with Bryce Young's decision on his um uh, first interception like I mentioned Alabama has been leaning on um sticks predominantly shock which is that inverted stick concept like I mentioned early they did a slot bender but on this particular one Billingsley he was running a fade and it was a really just a uh, uncharacteristic decision from Bryce Young I mean I wouldn't say he I wouldn't say he overly pressed, but, like, yeah, I don't know exactly how he thought this ball was going to be completed because it was pretty tight coverage as is. But um, the corner who was, you know, particularly assigned the number one receiver's hitch on the out route, so, like, that is the horizontal stretch there. Usually it's a quick hitch on the outside. Well, he just kept bailing back, 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 and the ball was overthrown. Of course, we was just intercepted Billingsley had absolutely zero shot To um, intercept it So um, that was really bad So they got really lucky That that didn't lead to points for Georgia But um, uh, After that it was just the same old stuff They had been trying Um, uh, Sticks At the end of the day Finished with um, 10 featured snaps And 5 outright targets And only one of them Ended in success So Obviously their hands got kind of tied as they as they couldn't really run the ball that well And uh, of course they, they didn't try any gap schemes They were not going to test Georgia in any shape or form in that fashion You know, I had wondered out loud. Why not try white inserts type of stuff? Um, again, Tennessee found success with that stuff uh, Michigan Found success with that stuff against their hardest opponents. They didn't trust Alab. They didn't test Georgia with it. Alabama. This is an offense that runs Y inserts, and they have had success with it. They have not tested Georgia with this look. So it just remains. It's just you know, it's kind of a little bit of a head scratcher from where I'm sitting. But you know, I understand at the end of the day, um, not trusting the offensive line. Of course, to repeat myself from earlier, a zero point five eight rush yard before contact average. You know. Uh, basically 11 percent of their plays resulted in a loss it was just um, not pretty whatsoever so um, you could tell just by how Alabama wasn't really going for it on fourth down in some spots how they just really didn't have a whole lot of trust in that offensive line so um, don't really blame them that much on that front but they're uh, on the fourth and three I probably would have gone for it in hindsight but um, that's just me I mean you get a lot of people uh, going after uh Staley's head the Chargers head coach for being an aggressive fourth down um, Goer, but I mean why does Nick Saban get a pass in this instance, you know There's very little discourse about him passing up some fourth down opportunities, of course, you know that one Third down third and goal uh, where they did a I think uh, I saw Chris Brown and James light They shared the play call. It was a mirror of some sort. So that's just like um, Their term for a quarterback spy um, so yeah, it, it, the play call itself was horrible. It looked like it was like quick hitches or quick twigs of some sort or aborted slants It was just not a real pretty uh, look whatsoever from um, From Alabama, you know call me crazy uh, I, I'm no fan of the of the goal line fade, but you know what you're at least throwing into the end zone Not one of those routes were in the red were ended in the end zone. That was just inexcusable of course it it, it, it pulls them from the three-yard line it's like a 13-yard sack. You have to kick the field goal. Had that been an incomplete pass or whatever, even a minimal gain, maybe you go for it. But, yeah, just a really, really frustrating type of situational outcomes for Alabama. Um, again, only one touchdown on six appearances inside Georgia's 30-yard line. So, overall, Bunch formations, you know, we had been mentioning, you know, whether it was that cross play, um, the the dangles, um, some uh, uh, curl flat stuff, 16 snaps. Only four of them found success. Yikes, not so great. But, you know, the two big gainers were involved. So the other big gainer involved, besides that cross play, it, it was opposite of a dangle. It was basically just uh, the corners version of a smash concept. So smash in its traditional form, two-man combo with an outside curl or hitch and an inside corner. Well, this is just an inversion of that. So you're having your number uh, two guy run towards the flat and number one being a corner. But since this was out of a nub formation, meaning you have your tight end being your in man and all the other receivers are on the other side of the formation. Of course, they were in that bunch formation running the dangle. Um, this is the lat two corner play. So you had a corner from him and you had the back running a flat route to facilitate the two-man combo. So that was the other big gainer. So, uh, those two big, two big gainers were out of the bunch formation. But besides those, very, very little, um, to brag about whatsoever. Um, so I, I mentioned why shoot, um, at the snap motions, jet motions were used on uh, 16% of their snaps, but they themselves only had a 25% success rate on their snaps, so nothing crazy. Of course, um, this is a technique that Tennessee, of course, were the first to have a little bit of success against Georgia, so unlike other jet motion, which is just kind of really eye candy where you're just running towards the flat and nothing, doing nothing else – Shoot motion is kind of effective jet motion where you're either using your inertia to go out and block or run a route like a wheel or a curl or a vertical or a post or a slant or what have you. Um, yeah, 25% success rate didn't work and they did it 11 times, shoot motion, um, you know, they had that early gainer on the RPO towards Williams for the 11 yard, You know, the leap play where you hopped up in the air and you got the nice photo- uh, nice photo of that. But overall, just uh, the things that they tried to do or had been doing overly just did not give them enough success. So um, on the year, Alabama only came in with a 5.5% jet motion so that basically tripled in this ball game. It was absolutely a tactic that they thought was going to bring them success. Um, it did bring um, three of the six runs success, but only yeah, only 16 yards on those six passes. Just not not what you want. Not what you want. So overall, um, Alabama's RPO usage um, did not work. So I mentioned that it kind of helped uh, Alabama's run game in the two previous postseason games. Um, you know. Oh, and I mentioned it really didn't work earlier. Only one of the eight RPO throws found success. Um, just not great. Compared to the SEC Championship game, they had a 7.3 yards per pass on a 70% success rate. Um, so, yeah, um, complete 180 in terms of being able to defend. Uh, just not what you want. So, um, considering Georgia's month to prepare, they had a very, very nice Turnaround. So at the end of the day, you know, just to recap, Alabama had a uh, 0.6 rush yard before contact average, 42.4 percent havoc rate allowed, 44.3 pressure rate allowed, 10.6 negative play rate. They finished with a modest, to say the least, 4.7 yards per play, 7.1 explosive play rate. Yuck. So yeah, only six across 85 snaps, not what you want, and a 9.4 broken play rate. They were more likely to suffer from a broken play by either missed execution or excellent defensive um, effort than log a 10-plus yard run or a 20-plus yard pass. So on to Georgia. Yes, Georgia. Let's talk about the national champs. So, yeah, I was not a big believer in said I think Todd Monken did a fantastic job limiting his impact and giving him manageable situations. So, you know, the first play they tried to hit on a shot play. So, I, you know, hey, that's aggressive. And it absolutely <laughs> blew up in their face. So, in StatCat terminology, this is the shot put design. It is a Yankee shot variation. You know, Yankee shots are usually deep crosses with deep uh, overtop posts. Um, but in this wrinkle, shot put is a deep corner. So, it's basically just a two man route. Was not open. As soon as Stetson Bennett turned around to the right, there was pressure in his face, and that's all she wrote. So, um, I was really impressed. With Todd Mocking going back The very next play Very aggressive design And um, you know I have written I have mentioned before That in the first half of this season Georgia executed Wheelie switch designs As good as any offense in the country But basically from the Kentucky game after the Kentucky game These plays just stopped Working well they drew up A wheelie shot play off of a Toss on second and long, and you know what? The post was open, but Stetson Bennett didn't see it. He and he scrambles. He gets 14 yards, whatever. Sets up for a a decent third down opportunity, but of course we know that ends in a three and out. So, you know, they had two three and outs to start. That's not what you want. Um, They were very fortunate that their defense did a um, magnificent job of bending and not breaking and not really giving up you know you know that one touchdown you know that one touchdown in the 6 appearances I can't hammer enough that enough that is a fantastic job by Georgia's defense to bow their necks and not provide points so um the third drive, drive—that's this is the one that play action Yankee shot that I mentioned, oh my gosh 52 yards to George Pickens um, talk about making an impact so that was a created reception by uh, StatCats purposes um, it was slightly overthrown and that did require a outstretched arm, so that is not a um, normal catch my friends, and of course that led to a much needed field goal to get them on the board so um, I mentioned earlier Georgia is an offense that um, does use bluff split zone action to run toss plays, to just run normal split zones, and to fake and hand off end arounds from tight formations. Of course, all of that was on display on that design. It was just a basic Yankee shot, like I mentioned. So this was a traditional one with an over deep crossover top post. So, um, yeah, there really wasn't that much highlights at the end of the first half. <sighs> they had nine straight carries without a successful try in structure. And then, of course, they had their last carry before halftime, that third and five. That got a, that got success, a 10-yarder, but it really didn't matter. Um, 3.0 yards per carry in the first half, only one yard after contact average that is not what you want so I mentioned earlier yeah they had 20 pass or you know 20 pass plays in the first half and um, 15 of uh, 12 of the 15 attempts travel less than 10 yards downfield they just were're not taking too many chances besides that one Yankee shot so um, uh, 50% of their plays were in 12 personnel and uh, yeah the game really broke open in the second half of course they started the, the second half with um, two duo plays um, first one was a a jab the second one was a dive very nice job on the second one to make the defender miss in the backfield and get yak that is a that is what you that's what scouts are looking for that is a fantastic job of course Um, and then they do the flea flicker off of the duo action blows up in their face, but look, that's an understandable, um, call in that situation. They're at, they're at midfield, um, after two explosive runs, that's just saying, all right, let's take a shot. Let's go to the end zone. Um, flea flicker may not have been my call. Um, but nonetheless, it was an aggressive try. Just did not work. Sack drive ends. Of course they have a three and out after the band interception. Like I mentioned earlier, that is just not great. um, yeah, so most teams when they use the flare motion to paired with, you know, these convoy screens, jailbreak screens, it goes the other way. It's on the other side of the formation. So that way it gets you a dual-headed screen. You know, you'll get a swing screen to one side of the formation based on numbers and then you'll have a convoy screen on the other, you know. Whatever. It's a very common tactic, but um ironically, Alabama did this in the postseason last year and uh had a nice gain. Of course, Georgia, they have done this uh a few times this year, but of course it almost ends in it almost ends in an interception with a batted ball on uh putting the flare motion to the convoy screen to start the drive after the interception. Of course, like I said, ends in a three and out, but this the next drive. The drive where they needed something to happen. Boom tackle counter. So, going into this game, they only had 18 on the season, but you know what? It is when it has been called, it has consistently been a fantastic design. Well, on the game, after Cook's 67-yarder, of course, that led to a touchdown, three plays later, the, the 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 remaining two carries that were seen late in the fourth quarter um, both ended in success, so 3-for-3 three three on the day. No concept. Gained more yards against Alabama's defense that came in averaging the SEC's uh, best rush charge before contact average in conference play. Um, ended with more yards than the tackle counter. The tackle counter was um, a fantastic design for this, for this offense. On the year, its success rate's in the mid 50s and it averages basically uh, double-digit charts per carry. I mean that's crazy for a run game. Uh, for yeah, for a rushing concept, that's freaking crazy. So, um, but out. Okay, look, before, we gotta mention the Stetson Bennett fumble play. It was inherently weird. Um, it just yeah, it instantly broke. I was not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the actual pattern itself. So, it appeared to be before it was broken to be a Salem plus a corner smash. So uh, a Salem is, uh, number two is running a, a hitch. Sometimes you'll see it working towards a pivot, and, of course, that can be you know uh, charted as a pivot concept depending on your um, interpretation. But either way, um, number one will run a deep dig over top towards the middle of the field. And like I said earlier, the corner smash is just an inverted uh, uh, an inverted version of that pattern so number one runs the corner and number two runs towards the flat so that was just broken right away did not have a chance tried to throw the ball slips out of his hands blah 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 very bang bang play either way whether it is a fumble and the recovery but you know goes Alabama's way goes for a touch on that but after that it's been well um recorded documented talked about um he said minute after that moment Four for four for 84 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so what were those plays, my friend? So Todd Monken, again, he didn't want to put him in too many risky situations, but he knew he had to get something out of this pass game. So what does he do to start the next drive? Heavy set, max protection, um, deep curls. That's all it is. Alabama runs this play. Sometimes they do it at a condensed formation. Sometimes they do a, a little bit of, an action, uh, of a play-fake-action, split-zone-action. But in this one, it was just fake outside zone, keeping eight bodies in the block, and their receivers are just running curls 17 yards downfield. And that's all she wrote. Boom. Easy completion with uh, Alabama playing kind of back. Uh, and then – they do a leak play A leak play in this day and age Are you kidding me in this moment You're doing a leak play but it was kind of A risky uh, pass but it was Accurately placed bobble pass Didn't matter still it's a first down So then after that where are they About midfield what what did they try And do last time a play action or At least a flea flicker shot well That's what they tried this time out of 13 Personnel 13 uh, Three tight ends so It was a sale pattern um, so, uh, we, 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 I kind of glossed over Alabama. Uh, they did hit on their bloody sail pattern. So this was kind of similar because of the bunch formation, but, um, basically you're going to see number three as is custom on sail patterns to run towards the flat. But because you have this bunch formation, you're kind of running the angles of these, um, of the outbreaking high-lows a little bit differently and as opposed to just running a straight vertical, um, you know, like you would if you were lined up outside of the numbers, you know, along the sideline. You're doing a little bit of a corner-bender type of thing, um, a little bit more of an angle to you. Same with the in-breaker. It's not so much of a clean-out route. You're doing a little bit more of an influence towards the middle of the field before you can go back towards the outside. But um, that was a sack. Yeah, sorry, I, you know, that was a long-winded uh, way to describe a sack play, but you know, I, I, it was an interesting design, I thought, just because of how Alabama themselves liked that particular play and they hit on a, they hit on that pattern earlier, but they just did it to the other side of the field. That was the hall completion. that set up a touchdown. Um, but after that, second and long, all verts. That's all it was. Nothing fancy. Um, Both inside teams bent Hard towards the middle of the field It influenced the safeties that way And that just isolated uh, Mitchell, 1-on-1 on the outside Pass was a little bit underthrown But it was a contested, created catch And that's all she wrote, touchdown And then, on the last drive, six straight runs Boy, yeah, that's talk about Leaning on your four- and five-star offensive linemen And running backs to close the deal So, um, six straight runs before the Bowers RPO So, reps two Two-through-five two all ended in success. Um, uh, of course, I, I mentioned earlier that two tackle counters were featured on this drive. So, gotta love how that play came back in crunch time to help close the game. So, um, yeah, the RPO was, uh, you'll see this in a lot of kind of gimmicky offenses. You know, I, I, Joe Moorhead was one of the first guys that I say. That I saw to overly feature, feature this in the SEC. Of course, Chad Morris did this a decent amount. Um, Briles does this, you know. Levy does Levy does this, you know. Lane will do this type of stuff, but it's just little flat routes, little slide routes, opposite of uh, inside and outside zones. So that's all it was. The defense was anticipating. And inside zone on third and short and no one followed the dynamic tight end as he just raced 16 yards untouched basically in towards towards the end zone So that was the that was the capper that was the last play of the game for this Georgia um, Team, so I mentioned earlier. Yeah, they really lived in 12 personnel, but uh, overall in the run game They ran hard after halftime real real hard nine yards after contact a 50 percent broken tackle rate so that's seven broken tackles on uh 14 carries so you know 12 of the 14 carries had um at least two tight ends on the field and after halftime they had a 71.4 percent success rate at the end of the day they were limited to only a 1.4 yards before contact average which is pretty standard against this alabama defense but um almost a six yards after contact average Um, Their success rate was pretty modest, 46%, um, 16.7 explosive run rate, and a 33.3 broken tackle rate at the end of the day. Twelve different run concepts um, were featured. Only two logged more than four reps. So that was duos, um, combining jabs and dives together, and inside zone slam reads. So very versatile type of script from Georgia. They didn't really lean on anything too much. They just kept Alabama guessing and on their toes. So, um, I was really, really impressed with Todd Monkin's play calling. I was really impressed with the situational, um, execution down the stretch of this team, um, of the run game's ability. Of course, Stetson Bennett finished, um, with very Ball placement and process metrics So his accuracy percentage was 54% His depth adjusted accuracy Was only 31% Both of his deep completions Were creations Meaning the receivers did all of the work His success and first down touchdown rate Finished under 40% His explosive pass rate Was in the single digits But you know fucking what He is a national champion And you cannot take that away from him um, he made the throws. He he gave his guys a chance to make the plays, and that's all you can ask for him at the end of the day. So kudos to him. So other side of the coin, uh, Bryce Young, of course, he was really, really pressured. Um, it, and it, look, they did not hit on enough deep balls. They gave enough. They, they definitely tried. They had eight deep attempts. Only two of them were were completed. Of course, I mentioned earlier that it was um, the inverted sale and that cross swap to Williams that, you know, ended his season. So, looking at the big misses on uh, Bryce Young's pass chart, of course, you know, a lot of it was towards the line of scrimmage, you know, they wanted to get the ball out, ball out hot. Like I mentioned, get the ball in space and make those safeties and linebackers track them down sideline to sideline and make plays in space. But Again, looking at his pass chart, there's a big area of, op- uh, you know, big red flag, as I see, as I like to say, a um, a death spot. So, uh, basically, 15 yards downfield, um, outside the right numbers, numbers out. Bryce Young was a um, combined 0 for 8 with an interception. Granted, he had two drops, but neither pass was necessarily completely on target. And, um, you know, considering the fact that they were gunning for explosive gains if they were caught, that absolutely was a uh, frustrating result for the Crimson Tide. So he himself um, finished with a kind of modest accuracy percentage, 63.2. That would have been kind of average in by SEC standards this season. His depth-adjusted accuracy... Um, What would have been below average, 45.4%. Success rate under 44%. First down touchdown rate, 28%. He himself had a single-digit explosive play rate, as you would imagine with the team's stats I mentioned earlier. Uh, Basically, a sixth of his passes were uncatchable. But yeah, 10.5% drop rate. That swung the tide. There were a number of plays that... um, Alabama left on the field, no doubt about it. Um, there's in a 40% .4 pressure rate. All else considered, he did his damnedest to um, right the ship and give them an opportunity to win. So again, I shared their most uh, potent designs from the game on Twitter, but um, Georgia absolutely won won it by winning at the line of scrimmage and uh, giving their run or their ball carriers enough. Daylight to make plays after contact so going big playing small riding that pressure uh, Driven defense and giving Bryce young a whole lot of headaches turned out to be the difference for Georgia It's pretty straightforward. It's an old-school football game You know defense and being able to run the ball what you would think uh, yeah, that's pure SEC old-school type of stuff so even though Alabama really did get by this year, winning in precarious spots against pressure on third down, you know, uh, outside of structure, behind the chains. It's just uh, hard to do that against a generational defense. And this time, um, the interior of that Georgia line and the back ends, athletic ability to track uh, uh, receivers, sideline to sideline definitely uh, puts them in the upper echelon of all-time conference and college defenses so there you have it so we're, that's reviewing the game so that was, that's a fun season so um, of course if you want to do some more analysis on this game be sure and of course hey if you want to review the scripts the plays the concepts that were featured in this great SEC championship game you can find them on secstatcat.com on these teams respective pages so you just scroll down to see scripts and you can see exactly how each drive broke down for each respective offense so um also you can see the concepts broken out on the concepts page you know and you can filter out fun stuff you know you can see the motion plays the third down plays um the play action plays a lot of stuff you can play with and of course if you want to see the basic stats you can also do that on the site but yeah off season we're gonna start looking forward to next season do some preseason stuff um already you know it's never too early to look forward to 2022 my friends with this season now officially wrapped up but uh Hopefully, there will be more to come from my end. But until next time, be sure to follow the Twitter account at at SEC underscore StatCat. If you are a fan of the work, throw me a bone. Subscribe on the site. Easy to do that. PayPal type of structure. Uh, But until next time, I am Clark Brooks. And have a good one.